Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, thank you for being here. Perhaps you had every, almost every reason to stay at home today, but the fact that you're here, it's uh, certainly a testimony to your faith, so welcome. Because, uh, you know, this is very much of an, Ar an Irish day, uh, <laughs> but I I've seen a lot of hailstones in my life. But I think the hailstones I saw here about an hour ago, they were the largest, largest, ones, largest ones I've ever seen. Anyway, um, as I listened to the gospel reading today, in particular, the second half of the, of the story, which is really the story of Thomas and how um, he uh, couldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. So when I heard that, it got me thinking about my own, my own upbringing in rural Ireland many years ago, and uh, belonged to a parish where it was very small, very intimate, and we learned our religion from a very small, a very small catechism. And it was all what we call question and answer. There was never a question of saying, you know, what does that really mean? The bottom line is you learned it, and the expectation was that if you knew the answers to all those questions, then that you're going to be a good, a good holy Catholic for the, rest, for the rest of your life. Anyhow, so when I, somewhere along the line, when I heard that story about Thomas and the fact that, uh, that he doubted the resurrection, that sort of caused me a lot of concern at the time. How could, how could Thomas, who had been with the Lord for, for three years, who had been around him, he had seen his miracles, he had heard him talk about resurrection, etc., etc. How could he possibly, how could he possibly, possibly say to the apostles, or the other disciples, uh, I, I will not believe it. I cannot believe it unless I put my finger into his side and my, 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 my hand into his side and my fingers into, into the nail marks in his hand. He was really struggling with the whole question who was really struggling with the whole question of belief. And I just couldn't understand that until, you know, as I got a little older and a little wiser, uh, you know, I came to the realization that belief in the resurrection, it's easy to say, it's easy to say Jesus died and rose from the dead. It's very easy to say that. But to actually believe it, not just up here, but to believe it in your heart, it's really a challenge. It's really a challenge. If you're serious, it's really a challenge to believe it. And furthermore, if you take somebody like, like Thomas, he's, he's portrayed in, in the Gospel of St. Luke as somebody who was a questioner, as somebody perhaps also was a skeptic. He appears, he's the only apostle who sort of uh, raises issues at different stages, three different times. But the second time, Jesus is talking about uh, it's at the Last Supper, actually. He's talking about going back to the Father. You're going back to the Father and that he will see them, see his apostles later on. And all of a sudden, uh, um, Thomas speaks up and he says, Lord, he says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? So it was a very uh, honest question at a particular point in time. He did get an answer, which I'm not going to go into at this point in time. But then, of course, uh, the real clincher for, for Thomas was when he went into the, into the room, which was locked, and the, the other disciples are there, and they said, we have seen the Lord, and they were all excited. And he says, no way, no way. I couldn't believe in that. 
unless I actually can get physical proof, unless the condition is that I can put my hand into his side. And that, of course, takes us to, we're told that eight days later, which will be the following Sunday, we're told that the, the disciples were once again in a locked room. Thomas was with them on this occasion. And all of a sudden, Jesus in, is in their midst. And uh, he offers them the gift of peace. And then he goes right to Thomas, okay? He goes right to him and says, Thomas, he says, uh, put your hand into my, into my side and use your fingers to, 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 you know, to feel the wounds. Thomas was so, sort of so blown away. He was blown away by the presence of the risen Lord. So instead of doing what, what the risen Lord told him, we're told that he, he, he expelled this magnificent uh, statement of faith where he says, my Lord and my God, that was his response. I mean, he couldn't say anything more or less than that. And that was enough to say that he truly believed, that he truly believed that this was indeed the risen Lord. And subsequently, of course, he started to go out and as a disciple, preach that message. And if you listen to the first reading today, it's a beautiful little reading from the Acts of the Apostles. He talked about the early church in Jerusalem. And what it said was that the, the disciples there were of one mind and one heart, and they shared everything in, in common. And it says that with great power, the disciples, the leaders, preached uh, the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. So you can, you can rightfully, I think, assume that at that stage, the transformed Thomas was right there with them, proclaiming the fact that uh, Jesus had risen from the dead. And then if you talk to, if you talk to Father uh, Shinoi right here, Father Shinoi would, would tell you that St. Thomas finally ended up in India. And the Catholic Church in India claims St. Thomas as the one who brought them the faith. Anyhow, all of that, as you know, is back then. And we are here today on this beautiful Sunday, sunny Sunday afternoon. And let's face it, uh, the call to discipleship, which, uh, which Thomas and the other disciples heard back then, that call is it's perennial. I mean, it wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for any particular group. It's for all the baptized. That is, we are called, we are called to share the message of Christ, of the risen Christ, with others. And you hear that, hear those words today, and you might just scratch your head and say, well, that's nice, but I don't in any way feel called to, to share Christ with anybody. I don't have the expertise or the knowledge. And if that's how you feel, then I just suggest that you, that you read the end of chapter one of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, and there you will find that the disciples, the, the, I was going to say the 12, at that stage it's only 11, because uh, Judas, as you know, had, had, as we say, he had chickened out earlier, okay? So the 11, and see, the 12, of course, represented uh, the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. So it's sort of the new covenant, if you will, and uh, the, the new church also. Uh, and so uh, they found that those 11 felt that they needed to elect somebody else in place of Judas who had chickened out, okay? And so the question was, you know, what kind of person, what kind of person are we looking for 
to take the place of Judas? Do we need somebody who is a great scholar in order to keep us all on the, on the straight and narrow? Do we need somebody who, um, who uh, has some a certain inheritance so that, the, so that we will have the necessary income in, in order to preach this message? Or do we need somebody who is a great planner, etc.? But you know what they came up with? Basically, this says what we need to do is we need to elect somebody who walked along with Jesus while he was alive. And we're told that they elected an individual called Matthias. So basically, uh, the message there for us is that uh, all you need in order to share Christ is to believe in Christ, to accept Christ into your heart, which obviously all of you have done, otherwise you wouldn't be here today. Now, it says in, in St. Paul, it says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, okay? That different, in other words, different people has certain talents that they can use in order to present the message of Christ. So what I would like to do today is to offer you a challenge, if you will, which uh, no matter what your gifts are, I think all of us can get involved in this at one level or another. The challenge is like this. Uh, you know that during this past year, uh, it's been a very different kind of year, hasn't it? Very, very, very different kind of year. Uh, for the last month, we have been, we have in a sense been separated from one another. And for the last, because of that, during this past year, our community has taken a huge hit. Uh, because people are just not here. In fact, on any given weekend, and this mass, is, I know it's a little low because of the rain, but on any given weekend, we're dealing with about 30% of what was our parish, okay? Now, uh, by the end of, uh, of May, or during the month of May, we hope, and hope to open up this church a bit to get rid of those ribbons and at least allow, allow more people in based upon the fact that our belief that things are going to continue to get better, okay? So, so the expectation and hope is that more people will start coming back to church, which would be wonderful. But keep in mind, and I'm not just saying this on my own. I mean, this has been said by people in higher authority than me. They're saying, what they're saying is that don't be surprised do not be surprised if many people do not come back to church at all. Because of the fact that people have gotten accustomed to be separated uh, from the church, they've got accustomed to staying at home and feeling perhaps pretty good about it. They've got accustomed to uh, watching mass in their pajamas. And so because of that, there is the danger that people might be inclined to say, well, why bother? Why bother going back again? And that's the, that's the question. That's a very, very, very real question. And this is where all of you come in. That is, you know, the majority of you anyway, you know one, two, or three, or maybe even more people who belong to this parish uh, in former times, okay? So because of that, your, um, your uh, invitation as a disciple is to reach out to them and invite them to return, okay? So it's the whole question of personal invitation. I can assure you it works, okay? So your encouragement today is to look out over the next couple of months 
not just this week, but over the next couple of months, to look at the people around you that you knew in the past and reach out to them and invite them back to church and make sure to remind them that they need, they need the Eucharist, number one, and number two, they need to be part of a community. Because ultimately, ultimately, we're not meant to be alone. So that, that is the challenge. That is the challenge. And uh, if you're successful in that challenge, uh, we'll have a lot more uh, opportunities for you to exercise your ministry in the days, the weeks, and the years ahead. Amen.